0: in their position.
1: This is True Spies. At the end of the day, behind every stolen dollar, there is somebody who knows what happened and how that has been made. And most likely, it's not one person. It's the lawyer, it's the accountant, it's the banker, you know, they're all in the know.
0: I'm Vanessa Kirby, and this is True Spies. Russia's Laundromat, Part 1 the Minister of Thievery. Let's game out a hypothetical scenario, one that you're unlikely to find yourself in, being, I'm sure, a person of robust moral character. But just for a moment, suppose you find yourself holding several million dollars worth of stolen money, or several billion, and you need to find a place to put it. Where do you turn? How do you keep it a secret? And who can you ask for help? After all, who would want to help a criminal?
1: You don't want to be uh, dealing with Al Capone's of the world.
0: Nobody manages dirty money with spare change. Money laundering is big business, and the more of it you have to hide, the more it takes to cover up. A paper trail, if you leave one, should be convoluted and opaque, making it impossible for authorities investigators, journalists, to follow the money. And if you're in the public eye, or if you have famous friends, you'll need more layers of protection from scrutiny.
1: But if this is somebody who hasn't been as notorious as as, as Al Capone, if it's some sort of a regional governor out of Russia whom nobody has heard of, then why not? Why not take his money and uh, help him set up an offshore company and buy a chateau in the south of France?
0: Russian Corruption has become as much a cliché as German efficiency, or American individualism. But it's a cliché that masks a larger problem, one that lets the rest of the world off the hook.
1: Behind every kleptocrat, there is uh, a lawyer, a banker, and uh, normally another good uh, little army of people who know exactly where the money is coming from.
0: And no one becomes a kleptocrat in a vacuum. In this three-part True Spies series, you'll meet three intelligence gatherers who root out financial crime, tax dodgery and other kinds of dirty money manipulation. We'll show you how that money is used to purchase lavish real estate.
1: How easy it is to bring corrupt money into the UK uh, via offshore companies.
0: How it's used to buy secrecy.
1: What? Panama papers showed that Raldugin in the same time, had another life that was obscured from public eye. And in our
0: final episode, how it's used to finance one of the world's most powerful and repressive regimes. He had made a huge fortune for himself, but he had also partnered with Russia, with Putin, who by this stage, it was clear, was no friend of democracy. Dirty money has been flowing westward from Russia for decades to places like France, Monaco, Switzerland, the United Kingdom and the United States. Those of us who live in those places have had every reason to be aware of and fix the problem. So why haven't more people opened their eyes to it? Seven years ago, an anti-corruption activist asking himself the very same question went undercover, hoping to open people's eyes. He was working in London But it could just as well have been Paris, or Washington, or Geneva, or Monaco. Anywhere in one of the wealthy, democratic countries now known to be working as Russia's laundromat.
1: My name is Roman Borisovich, and I am a financier by profession and anti-corruption activist.
0: Born in Moscow to a Ukrainian family, Roman Borisovich left Russia just after the Soviet Union collapsed and received an education at a prestigious American university, then moved to London in 1997. But as a financier, he worked with clients all over the world.
1: Just before the financial crisis of 2008, I switched from banking to insurance and went to work for my then client, the largest Eastern European insurance company. And that meant that I was spending lots of time in Moscow, where the company was headquartered. And uh, that company, Rosgostrach, it's a household name because there was no other insurance company. And it still is the third largest network, retail network in the country.
0: As a brand new board member, Roman was alarmed with what he learned about how that money was being managed.
1: That's uh, my first sort of encounter with corruption was in a board meeting. My first board meeting. When I realized that we're losing 30% of our gross revenue to corruption. Something that would make you freak out as a financial director.
0: Nearly a third of the company's massive revenue was getting pocketed. Like bread rolls at a hotel breakfast.
1: My colleagues were actually quite encouraging. They were saying that our competitors, state-run insurance companies, were losing 70 to 80 percent, and were quite stable at 30. That's that was my my shocking dive into the uh, realities of Russia, where I realized that the the system that Putin has built is entirely uh, based. It's totally founded on corruption. You know, obviously there is grand corruption in terms of Kremlin and the cabinet and uh, regional governors and their ministers. But also, it goes through everyday life, and it's uh, from street level all the way to the Kremlin.
0: But that was the soup Roman was living in.
1: My shock of um, finding that the level of corruption in Russia was going on for a while, and until I came across this uh, brilliant lawyer, uh, anti-corruption activist called Alexei Navalny. At that time, he was a blogger. He was rapidly gaining popularity and he was doing, uh, what I would describe as a, a classic a capitalist, uh, share activism. He would buy a share of Gazprom and show up at the AGM. That's the
0: annual general meeting.
1: And say, look, you know, this uh, pipeline is supposedly, reportedly cost you four and a half billion. According to the expert estimates that I got, it should be one and a half billion. Why is that, that you are paying so much for it as a shareholder? Can I see your records, please? And also his anti-corruption activities in exposing the wealth, the hidden offshore unreported wealth of government bureaucrats was making him really, really popular to the extent that, you know, certain uh, hearings were, criminal uh, cases were open. Certain people were asked to resign or resign themselves. And uh, I thought that was brilliant.
0: Roman was impressed by Navalny, and he wanted to help.
1: We started a conversation on the net, which uh, then translated into a physical relationship and physical meeting and contacts. And uh, I became one of his uh, sponsors because I admired the fact that uh, he was standing up to the corruption and uh, inventing really modern and uh, powerful, effective uh, techniques of uh, monitoring and fighting it. Like you know, he was doing with the government tenders and whatnot. So I was very honored when he asked me to be his. Advisor and to be one of the founding fathers of his anti-corruption foundation.
0: Fighting corruption became a permanent fixture of Roman's work. In 2015, he co-founded the campaign for legislation against money laundering in property by kleptocrats, or CLAMP-K.
1: Clamp as in clamping corruption, putting a clamp on corruption.
0: And as a resident of London, Roman saw plenty to clamp down on. Countless wealthy Russians with ties to the Kremlin have tucked away their cash in the United Kingdom. Enough of them that the capital city has earned the nickname Londongrad.
1: It is definitely a cultural center. It is definitely a historical and um, you know cultural hub. It is uh, very very convenient and fashionable and whatnot. But the prime reason is uh, one and only because you can bring money into London without questions being asked. Any sort of uh, funds that have been laundered come to London and uh, they can be invested without any further due diligence.
0: Particularly welcoming, Roman says, is the London real estate market.
1: Until now, it's still possible to buy properties in the name of offshore companies without disclosing who the owner is. So uh, a director from Panama or Cyprus signs the piece of paper in London on behalf of a mysterious uh, anonymous owner, and uh, hundreds of millions of pounds are changing hands in that fashion on, on a daily basis. And billions of pounds have gone through, per year, has gone through uh, London real estate. And a lion's share is going through offshore companies without anyone having any knowledge of who's behind that.
0: Well, it's not as if no one knew. Certainly in 2015, there wasn't the level of interest or scrutiny there is today. But things have begun to shift in the United Kingdom. Attention was beginning to be paid.
1: I think there was growing interest, and especially in the UK, the interest was growing primarily, uh, you know, it's very politicized. Initially, it was growing from the perspective of uh, whether these corruption cases were linked to any donors of uh, primarily the conservatives.
0: And where there's political interest, there's popular interest. Roman met a young journalist who conceived of an idea, something that could be made into a documentary film. One that would expose to a mass audience the way dirty money is welcomed with open arms, right in the heart of London.
1: Basically, the idea was to trace, to have like a hidden camera, a trace of a money laundering situation, how it has generated in like Russia or Kazakhstan or somewhere in the former Soviet Union, and how it goes through offshore companies, comes to London, and then is being. Uh, laundered in uh, the UK property.
0: The plan was this. Send an actor to a series of meetings with London's poshest real estate agencies to view five different multi-million pound private residences. The actor, posing as a Russian minister, will make it clear to the agents that he intends to purchase his new flat with dodgy money. Then it'll be up to the agents to decide. Do the right thing and report the kleptocrat. Or make a sale and potentially rake in hundreds of thousands of pounds in commissions.
1: While we were working on on this idea, we met Dan Reed, uh, who was already the at the time was the most decorated um, documentary director in the UK with m- most buff to his name.
0: The film now had a respected director, and it would also need a convincing actor to play the starring role. Someone who could not only stay in character, but who knew enough about Russian money laundering schemes to be able to roll with the punches.
1: We were looking for an actor who could do a Russian accent. And at some point, both me and Dan uh, realized that it's impossible to prepare the person to all eventualities that could come up in a conversation. And uh, so basically Dan pointed the finger at me and uh, obviously I was like, me, I've never done this before. (laughs)
0: Despite his non-existent resume as a performer, Roman had plenty of material to draw from. He conceived of his character, Boris, based on real people he knew. Boris was a Russian health minister who claimed to earn a modest salary, buffeted with special deals here and there, little nips into the revenue stream for his own personal gain.
1: He was an amalgamation of uh, different people, and I uh, yeah, had to give him some real-life uh, habits or uh, behavior, like uh, or rudeness, interrupting, treating the estate agents like dirt and you know, disregard, and you know, basically that part. I didn't enjoy that part, but you know, <laughs> it was kind of fun to do this.
0: Boris would arrive at each property with his considerably younger girlfriend, Nastya. The property, they explained, Would be hers to enjoy. Nastya would be played by Natalia Sedletska, an award winning investigative journalist from Ukraine
1: she had to play a very important role which probably didn't get into the film because you know it was only focusing on my conversations with the state agents and on the lavishness of these properties but in real life it was she primarily who had to go around look into every wardrobe and find out you know how things work to say that yes she's happy that she likes this this thing and say boris can i have it please
0: with dan reed on board as the director they pitched their proposal to the British Public Broadcasting Network, Channel 4.
1: And it was pretty much mission impossible because, you know, they were convinced that this is going to end up in the courtroom.
0: Of course, no one would actually buy any property. Nothing could be signed, no deals could be made. But the oligarchs and kleptocrats investing heavily in the UK have a penchant for taking people to court for libel. To carry this out without incurring massive legal fees, The network's lawyers would need to ensure that the team proceeded with caution.
1: I actually admired their bravery. The way they approached this, they were ready to go and to defend us in the courtroom. They knew they are going to be sued and they wanted to, to have a foolproof argument that, look, there is a clear statement that the money has been stolen. So there is no other ways of interpreting it.
0: Their lawyers agreed that the film could go forward. But only on certain conditions.
1: The conditions were that it has to be on shore, it has to be in London, and uh, basically our character would have to tell everyone, in no uncertain terms, that the money is stolen. In other words, it would need to be crystal clear
0: to the real estate agents that the final transaction would involve dirty money. To be sure, no kleptocrat buying property in London would say outright I'm buying this flat with money that doesn't belong to me. Who would sell to someone who's just outed himself as a thief? It suddenly seemed unlikely that Roman and his team would be able to pull this off.
1: I well, we clearly remember that meeting. And was freaking out. He was like, are oh, you ruining it. This is going to be, no, we're not going to film this. This is ridiculous. Who would ever say that? And, uh, you know, a good thing that uh, being an investment banker, I I know how to handle lawyers, right? (laughs) So I decided to agree and then to to agree first and then to look for caveats and look for ways of uh, how that could be, you know, narrowed down. Creative thinking will get you far in art and in thievery. And so we narrow it down to things like, okay, well, that particular phrase had to be said. But the circumstances, how it is uh, handled, uh, would have been completely, you know, on our own. So then suggested that, for example, I would go into some sort of a, a Dostoevsky revelation of Russian soul or something like that. And I said, why don't we uh, make it turn it differently, turn it around differently, saying, I have the money and I would like to use it, really. But the only small problem is I cannot be seen doing this. It cannot be me, because uh, that's the problem. The money has been stolen. In-laws. Love them or hate them, you're pretty much stuck with them. And when you're a ruler in the Middle Ages, that can be a serious problem. It might even land you dead. I'm Dan Jones, and on Season 4 of This Is History, I'm telling the story of England's weirdest king, Henry III. He's in way over his head and he's surrounded by bloodthirsty relatives with their eyes on his throne. To listen, search This Is History and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Roman Borisovich is about to go undercover to demonstrate how easy it is for a kleptocrat to launder stolen money in the United Kingdom. He has a celebrated director and a solid legal team on his side. But there are a few problems he'll have to contend with. The first, he has to state in no uncertain terms that he'll be purchasing a multi-million pound London flat with dirty money. That's a tough way to begin a business transaction. The second, he's never even acted before, much less gone undercover. How would he fool the sorts of estate agencies that see the real deal Day in and day out. And the third, what if something goes horribly wrong?
1: We were concerned that uh, somebody will be causing problems, like, you know, reporting us to the authorities, to the police.
0: But let's back up a moment. Boris, Roman's character, would be making relatively small investments for a Russian oligarch in London to the tune of five to 15 million pounds, roughly $19 million maximum. Some of the properties linked to Russians, who have been sanctioned since the Russian war in Ukraine began, are valued at over 15 times that amount. Still, Boris couldn't just write a cheque for 15 million pilfered pounds. He'd need to find a way to cover it up. And the estate agents he'd be working with would likely be familiar with the process.
1: My idea was to put it like that, put it as a small problem, saying, look, everything's done. We love it, she loves it, done. Except, you know, how can I do this?
0: In other words, he'd ask them, how can I make sure my purchase will remain a well-guarded secret? If these agencies had worked with other suspicious clients in the past, they'd know just how to reply. The most tried and true formula, outfit yourself with lawyers, bankers and accountants who can be trusted to keep things hush-hush. Then move your money outside of Russia. Maybe somewhere with strict privacy laws like the British Virgin Islands or low tax rates like Cyprus. Hide it in a shell company and make sure you've created enough official-seeming documentation that you won't raise any eyebrows. Then again, maybe these agencies would want nothing to do with this crooked health minister. One of them even branded itself with the slogan The Only Way Is Ethics.
1: Some people are obviously going to say, no, 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 we're not going to deal with that. That doesn't sound right. Thank you very much, but don't call us again.
0: Roman and his production team set up five different viewings for their documentary. At each viewing, Boris's girlfriend, Nastya would fall in love with the place. They'd make it look to the estate agent like a done deal. Then Boris would ask for a word in private. That's when he delivered the line Roman had agreed upon with their lawyers.
1: Needless to say, the money for this property has been stolen out of the ministry budget. That phrase had to be repeated in these certain words in entirety.
0: Of course, it was unlikely that many of the real estate agents would want to proceed further. But if any of them did, it would help Roman expose the ubiquity of UK money laundering and it would make for pretty good television. Roman was hopeful.
1: We thought that at least one story would be able to follow all the way to exchange, to some sort of tangible result.
0: Roman and Italier, as Boris and Nastia, were outfitted with buttonhole cameras and microphones. Dan, playing Boris's bodyguard, also wore a camera.
1: Six months before the actual filming, we set up a concierge studio that was supposedly acting for wealthy Russian customers, that established relationship with certain estate agents that we suspected at the time that were handling dirty money, Basically giving legitimacy to that business awaiting that final phone call when one day, the day that we were filming, that finally the real client is flying in, you know, he's is very important government minister, he has to be met only by the senior person, one-on-one and, you know, your best property, that type of thing.
0: Finally, that day arrived. Boris and Nastya saw their first flat. Nastya, as planned, was instantly smitten.
1: Nastya had to get them to that orgasm, basically, in front of the camera. And at which point I would intervene and say, hey, hang on a second, there's one small problem. And then depending on the circumstance, can we have a cigarette outside? Can we go to the balcony? Can you please, guys, step out of the room?
0: Imagine being in Roman's shoes. You're a financier and an activist, not an undercover reporter or even an actor. Under UK law, even failing to report money laundering is a criminal offence. So if the stunt goes to plan, it could have a seriously negative impact on these estate agents' lives. And it's easy to imagine how things could go poorly. Who would sell a home to someone who admits to being a criminal? As soon as Boris fesses up to having stolen his millions, doesn't this house of cards come crashing down? Who would go into business with an avowed kleptocrat
1: All of them must have been in a position or dealt with something like that because all of them immediately said, I need to put together some sort of an offshore company and come back through that company.
0: You heard that right. Not only did they not refuse to do business with Boris, they walked him through how to do it.
1: Two went as far as recommending their contacts who would do this for me.
0: The agents offered to put him in touch with lawyers who might be able to help him out. One of them even mentioned that he had another client in a similar boat.
1: When somebody like that tells you, oh yeah, I know, I've put another Soviet time minister in and bought a property for him, well, then you understand that you're preaching to the converted.
0: Flat after flat, the stunt
1: worked. All I remember is that after like three of them uh, agreed you then don't think that the odds of the next one is (laughs) 50-50. Obviously, you think that, oh, no, no, but the next one, it has to. But just by the law of probability, you think that, you know, it cannot be four in a row. So every time it was, uh, the pressure was uh, higher and higher.
0: And then, on the fifth and final viewing. Bullseye. Five out of five.
1: Everyone agreed to cooperate with the thief and uh, with perfect knowledge that the money has been stolen from another country.
0: The project had gone off better than he or anyone else could have expected. And as a first-time actor, Roman had received a big win. But as an anti-corruption activist, Roman was able to see the dark truth of what they had uncovered
1: then it was uh, really shocking, like in a a bad way, in a a discouraging way, like, is, is it that bad? I mean, yes, we did suspect that these agencies were catering to that sort of personnel. Yes, but we were very, very obnoxious in a way that it was so apparent, so in your face. How can they not react?
0: Still, when it was released in 2015, the film provoked a significant public response. And that was bang on the money.
1: The response was uh, exactly what we were aiming for. It wasn't just the film. At the same time, there was this brilliant research by Transparency International put numbers on everything that was happening in that film, saying exactly that hundreds of thousands of properties are owned by anonymous companies, that nobody knows how the money was created, and that there is a good reason to suspect that a lot of these financial flows are dirty. At the same time, Global Witness came out with their report, uh, Mystery on Baker Street, whereby they showed that a block of buildings were owned by an ex-KGB chief of Kazakhstan, including the beloved uh, Sherlock Holmes's uh, flat. And that was... Uh, Again, as real as it gets, you know, that that these were real buildings, really, and really, really bad guys. So together with that, the film just uh, showed how easy it is.
0: Those revelations gave way to new promises from the highest echelons of British power.
1: A few days after the film aired, the commander in charge of the Economic Department of National Crime Agency, Donald Toon, then he gave a very big interview to The Times where he basically, better than anyone, he coined it. His phrase that London property prices are skewed by criminal money, that just became headlines for all the tabloids. I mean, the government could not have ignored this any, any longer. And so within days, there was a response from uh, Mr. Cameron.
0: That is Prime Minister David Cameron. In his speech in Singapore, Cameron responded to the cascade of negative press surrounding the property purchases. There is no place for dirty money in Britain, he said. Indeed, there should be no place for dirty money anywhere. But in practice, things have been slow to change in the UK. Yes, Parliament has introduced a new economic crime bill. But it's been seven years since Cameron's speech. And according to Roman, only now are those promises beginning to take shape. Things are changing in the West. But how many years of warning went ignored? And how many voices from within Russia itself went unheard before the unthinkable happened?
1: It's really unfortunate that we had to have a situation where innocent Ukrainian blood is being shed for uh, for, for us to finally receive that, that that bill.
0: Next week, the canary in the coal mine: a foreign agent willing to pay a high cost for transparency in today's Russia.
1: Even I don't know local scale local journalists in many cases are beaten and killed and everything. So it's something you always have in your mind.
0: You can learn more about Roman's work at clampk.org. And you can learn more about Boris in the film from Russia with Cash. I'm Vanessa Kirby. Join us next time to meet a young woman going head to head with Russia's most corrupt officials.